Let's bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the blessings of this week. We pray that what we do here today would be pleasing to you, that we would always put you first, that we would remember your Sabbath, that we would um, view it in a holy way, a reverent way, and, and that we would bring honor to you and to your name. Father, we pray for those on the prayer list, for those who are hurting. We uh, pray for your people throughout this world. And uh, we pray for all those worshiping you in spirit and truth. We know that there are many. Father, we thank you now. We give you all praise. And we ask all this in the name of your son, your beloved son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all may be seated. It is a blessing to uh, see everybody here today. And, you know, it's kind of an incredible thing. Uh, Tabernacles is just about right over 40 days away, as we heard. And uh, the uh, fall feasts are yet even closer with uh, trumpets. So things are... Moving very quickly, and uh, that's going to be here before you know it. So I would encourage everybody, if you haven't done so already, prepare for this time. It is a very special time throughout this year. And I know for me, the Feast is um, Tabernacles, that is, is always uh, my highlight. And always has been. I've been observing the Feast all my, all my life. I mean, this will be, uh, what, my uh, 43rd or 44th, whatever it is, uh, Feast. And uh, it really is great. So I would encourage everybody uh, to come. Well, the fourth commandment says that we're to remember the Sabbath day, that we're to remember the Sabbath day. You know, we find this in Exodus 20, verse 8. I'm not going to turn there, but that's where it's found, Exodus 20, verse 8. We're going to see that just in a few moments later in the message. You know, with this in mind, it's ironic that nominal worship has forgotten or replaced this command, which begins with, you will remember with a counterfeit day, a day originally dedicated to the S-U-N. And it's not hard to prove. We know this historically. We're going to look at the historical um, aspect as well. You know, as believers in the Messiah, it's important that we never forget this, that we understand the gravity of the weekly Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is one of the most important commands we find within the Word. In fact, as we'll see in just a moment, it's one commandment that says and is a sign between Yahweh and his people, between Yahweh and us. Now, before we go any further, I want to give just a really quick review of what we're going to discuss today. We're going to see from a historical standpoint, some level anyway, how the Sabbath was transferred to Sunday, the first day of the week. We're going to go back to the beginning to see where it all began, you know, where Yahweh hallowed and sanctified this day and what he says there. We're also going to review some of the do's and don'ts. You know, what is permitted, what is not permitted. You know, if I was talking to somebody oh, here recently and they were um, encouraging this type because some don't know. Some don't know the things we should be doing or the things we should not be uh, doing or the things we should be doing as believers. We'll also um, look at some uh, passages that are often used to uh, say falsely, of course, that the Sabbath is no longer necessary. We'll also see New Testament evidence for the Sabbath, and we'll close by looking at one passage that is absolutely essential, showing and proving that the Sabbath will be observed in the coming kingdom. So that is the agenda today. That is what we're going to be focusing on. on. Those are the points we're going to be reviewing. You know, for many of you, this message will be a review, but for those who may be new, there's going to be an important information within this passage or within this message. You know, as believers, I believe that we should be able to explain everything you hear today in this message. 
So I kind of set expectations. Everything I say today, if you're a seasoned believer, this really should be a review. You should know everything that we're going to review today in this message, everything. Now, maybe not the quotes from a historical standpoint, but certainly understand the historical settings and what occurred from that standpoint. But everything else you really should know, book, chapter, verse, <laughs> book, chapter, verse, everything we review today. So I mentioned that the Sabbath is a sign between Yahweh and his people. We see this in two passages. I want to review those. So Exodus 31 is the first one. Exodus 31, 13 through 14 says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths you shall keep. So an emphatic command here, we shall do this. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am Yahweh who does sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Holy. We're going to talk about the word holy and Later on, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death. So it shows the gravity here of the Sabbath. And this, I believe, is as true today as it was then. Obviously, we don't put people to death, but the gravity, the penalty is certainly the same. Yahweh cares very much for his Sabbath. It says, for whosoever does any work therein, that soul or that person shall be cut off from among his people. Now we see one other passage, a little bit shorter, Ezekiel 20, verse 20. This is a really good one to remember, Ezekiel 20, 20. Very easy to remember, Ezekiel 20, 20. It says there, And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am Yahweh, your Elohim. So as we see in these passages, the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, is a sign between us and our Creator. Now, what is the meaning of this word sign? Or in Hebrew, it comes from oath. It refers to a signal. A signal. Strong says as a flag or a beacon. Yeah, so through this word, we see that the Sabbath provides evidence or proof that we're part of his people, that we're part of his called out people. Now, as we also saw in Exodus 31, through the Sabbath, it says there that Yahweh sanctifies us. So through the Sabbath, we are sanctified. This word means to set something apart as holy or sacred. So you see the importance of the Sabbath. And of course, as we also saw in Exodus 31, it says those who do any work on the Sabbath will be put to death. It is a very sacred and holy day. So through the Sabbath, we find a very special relationship with the one we worship. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing that many people come to the walk come to this walk through the Sabbath. But not everybody, but many people. I, I would say more people come to this walk through the Sabbath than any other command in the Word. After this, they normally understand in things like the uh, Yahweh's name, feast days, and other commands we find within his truth. So again, we find here that the Sabbath is a very special command. Now, as we all know, most Bible believers today, and I use Bible believers in the large sense, will say that we're no longer obligated to observe the Sabbath, and now we observe a different day, and that day is Sunday. Why is this, and when did this change occur? Why is this, and when did this change occur? Well, many would like you to believe that this is something we find within Scripture, The fact is, this change was made by man. And this is a very easy thing to prove. It is a very easy thing to prove scripturally. 
if you know your Bible, and it's a very easy thing to prove from a historical standpoint. And that's what I want to focus on in the uh, first part here. Focus on, from a historical standpoint, when and who made this change. So if we had to to, uh, decide who is the most responsible for solidifying Sunday, who would that person be? Well, I believe that that person would be someone known as Constantine. This was the first Roman emperor who converted to Christianity. He is a champion and a friend of Christianity. And yet we know that this man was certainly not a believer, at least until the very end, if that is the case. You know, while this transition was already occurring in the church, so there were already some within the church observing Sunday. It was this man who established this day as and with a formal edict of 321 CE. So here's part of his edict. I'm going to read this to you. I have it in the slide. It says, on the venerable day of the sun, that all the magistrates and people residing in cities rest. Venerable day of the sun, notice that, because, again, Sunday is connected to sun worship. It says, let all workshops be closed in the country. However, persons engaged in agriculture may freely and lawfully continue their pursuits, because it often happens that another day is not so suitable for grain sowing or for vine planting lest by neglecting the proper moment for such operations, the bounty of heaven should be lost. So we see here the first civil law that required a Sunday observance, Sunday observance. They could not work on this day. The only exception was made to those working in agriculture. You know what's amazing about this is that no serious scholar would ever deny what we find here. No scholar would ever say that this was not stated. No scholar would say that this is not a legitimate quote. Everybody understands historically that this happened, that this quote was made. There's no getting around the fact that it was this edict that solidified Sunday as a day of worship. Now, again, it was already being observed by some, but this man came along and, through his edict, made it lawfully wrong to work. On Sunday. Now, what do we know about this man, Constantine? Or we know that he was a remarkable politician. He really was. If you look at the history of Constantine, who he was, what he did, he was a remarkable politician. Number two, we know that he was a sun worshiper. He worshiped Sol Invictus. In fact, there are some coins that have Sol Invictus on one side and Constantine, I believe, on the other, showing this connection between this with this man. And this was even after after proclaiming Sunday as the only day of rest for Christianity. You see, this man supposedly converted but did not do so until his deathbed. And there's some debate on that. I'm not going to go into, into whether it did or didn't. I, most scholars and most uh, historians will say that he, supposed, he did convert, but this was certainly not the case until he was near death. So we see here that this man had some real issues with his faith and devotion. Well, he gave legal status to Christianity. He himself was far from a Christian. And that's a very important truth to understand. Well, this man gave legal status to Christianity. He was far from a Christian. It was, again, this man who officially changed Sabbath to Sunday through edict. Now, as mentioned a few moments ago, some in the church, they were already transitioning to Sabbath to Sunday. Why is this? 
What was the reason for this? So I believe the main reason for this was the uh, Gentile influence. As the church grew, so did the Gentile influence within the church, the paganism, the Hellenistic thinking, the Hellenistic thought, the Greek influence. Now, another cause, I believe, for this is and was the anti-Semitic attitude within the church. You know, for example, I don't know if you know a whole lot about the apostolic books, the post-apostolic books, but there's a book called by the name Barnabas. Barnabas. Now, most will say that the Barnabas we know was not the author of this book, but this book basically rejects the uh, Jews and believe that, believes that the Old Testament was written for Christianity. And uh, they, the book also asserts that most of what we find is allegorically speaking. This anti-Semitic attitude only further put a divide between Sabbath and Sunday. Because you see, they viewed the Sabbath as something very Jewish, something not supported by their faith. In fact, as time went on, many in the church took steps to move away from anything that was connected with the Jews. You know, we see an example of this from the Council of Laodicea, 364 CE. I want to read part of this canon what came out of this council. So uh, again, Council of Laodicea, 364 CE. It says, Christians shall not Judaize and be idle on Saturday, but shall work on that day. For the Lord's day they shall especially honor. And as being Christians shall, if possible, do no work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, they shall be shut out it says, from Christ. So that's, this is a quote, a historical quote. Now, if the New Testament changed Sabbath to Sunday, as so many believe, why then was it even necessary to, to solidify these things? Why was it necessary to say and to warn those pushing a, quote, Jewish agenda? Obviously, this change was not made in the New Testament. We know that it was made by man. It was a made, man-made institution. Now, in addition to supporting a Sunday, we also find here that a person not resting, or a person, uh, if they would rest on the Sabbath, or they would judicize that uh, they, would, um, they, they were deemed heretical. They were deemed heretical. They were cut off from the body of Messiah, as it says here. So we see here that in the early church, that there was a real issue with the Sabbath. Were anything deemed Jewish, because again, they were not Jewish. You know, when the New Testament started, and this is something I really find fascinating from a historical standpoint, when you look at history of the church, the church was basically Jewish. It was a Jewish flavor. They simply believed in the Messiah, Yahshua, and that's really, that was the case in the beginning. But as time went on again, and as Hellenistic influences spread within the church, the division between Christianity and Judaism became wider and wider until the two were completely separated, theologically speaking. And that is what we find here within the fourth century. They were theologically divided. One had the Sabbath, which again was Jewish. The other had a Sunday worship, which was considered Christianity. Do not dare to walk over to the other side if you were a believer within Christianity at this point in time. You know what's really sad, though, about this is that we know that the promise in the New Testament and also really the Savior 
It's all Jewish. It's Hebraic. And we've lost that. We've lost that today with the nominal worship. You know, it's reasons like this why it's so important that we understand history, that we understand the history of the church, how these things developed, some of the players who believed what and why they did what they did. The fact is, between the New Testament and the first 300 years of the church, things changed drastically. They changed drastically. What we see in the first century and then what we see in the third century is very, very different. Is very different. And that's a long time. You know, this nation's not even 300 years old. And look at how we've changed within this nation. Consider how we've changed culturally within this nation. Or we see the same kind of transformation, the same evolution, the same metamorphosis within the church. The church deviated from its Hebraic roots. And this included the Sabbath. You know, if Peter or Paul was alive today and they went into a typical Sunday church, I think they would be dumbfounded. They would be dumbfounded as to what they were witnessing. Of course, they would never be there because it's on Sunday and they would be going Sabbath. Now, beyond the history, most scholars also will freely admit that it was not the Bible but the Roman church who made the change from Sabbath to Sunday, from the seventh to the first day of the week. Let me share with you just a few sources I have three sources I wanted to want to share with you. The first is from a Catholic record, September 1st, 1923. It says, Deny the authority of the church, and you have no adequate or reasonable explanation or justification for the substitution of Sunday for Saturday. goes on to say the church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. You see, they are real proud of the fact that they have the authority. They have the authority to change the word. They don't deny this. And, you know, that's the amazing thing, by the way, about the truth. I don't care what it is. It can be Sunday worship. It can be Halloween. It can be Christmas, Easter. We just need to simply do our research. It's amazing because they don't lie. They don't try to hide the truth. They're very proud of the fact that they've changed the day of worship. So this one here is from a Lutheran source. It says, they, the Catholics, allege the Sabbath changed into Sunday, says the Lord's Day. Of course, we know that's referring to Yahweh's day or Yahshua's return. So it's contrary to the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. As it appears, neither is there any example more boasted of than the changing of the Sabbath day. Great, say they, is the power and authority of the church, since it dispensed with one of the Ten Commandments. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing quote? The fact that they freely admit, of course, this is Lutheran, this is not Catholic, but that they freely admit where and how this day changed. And again, they see this as something good because they now have the authority to make this change. Now, one more source here. This is from an Episcopal source. It says, a day is now changed from the seventh to the first day, but as we meet with no scriptural direction for the change, we may conclude it was done by the authority of the church. So again, I could go on. There's many, many other quotes I could share with you, but I thought these three were good and certainly solidifies what happened. This is not a biblical change. You know, we find here several denominations all admitting the same thing, and that is Sunday is a day of worship. is not a day found within Scripture. It's a day found within the Roman church. It is a day that they altered and changed on their own, on their own doing. 
Now, if there is any difference between this and what Jeroboam did, I'm not sure what the difference would be. We all remember Jeroboam, right? This man came along. Yahweh, by the way, told Jeroboam before he took the throne that if you obey me, you're going to succeed. But we know that Jeroboam did not do that. Jeroboam started changing things. And one of the things he did is he changed worship. He changed the timing of Yahweh's worship. So there really is no difference between what Jeroboam did and what we find the Roman church, what they did with the Sabbath day. It's the same thing. You know, a point that we all need to realize as believers is this. We do not have the authority to change the word. By the way, many in Judaism believe the same thing, that they can alter and change the word. And that's something that we very much oppose in this ministry. We cannot change the word. You know, both the books of Deuteronomy and Revelation, we find there are warning for those who would modify, for those who would tamper with the word, would add to or remove from. The bottom line is this, we're not to change, alter, or manipulate what Yahweh has established within his truth. We're to do and obey and abide by the words as we find within scripture. Well, let's go back now, and I'm going to go back to the beginning to read what and how Yahweh observed this day. So Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day Elohim ended his work, which he had made, and rested, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which Elohim created and made. So what do we find here? Number one, we find here that our Father in heaven, that Yahweh, rested, it says. He rested from all his work. When? He rested on the seventh day. And you see, once he did this, this established the pattern that we're to follow. Number two, we see here that he also blessed this day. He blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day. And number three, we find here that he sanctified or hallowed this day. So we see here that he set the example by himself resting on this very day. This remembers creation. It remembers what Yahweh did. It remembers him resting on this day. And as his people were to follow in this example, why would anybody want to change the day that our father established in the beginning? Wouldn't we all want to follow his lead, his example on this? Now, what does it mean here when it says that he blessed and sanctified this day? What does this mean in the Hebrew? Well, the word blessed comes from the Hebrew barak. It is a primitive root within the Hebrew language and literally means to kneel by implication to bless Yahweh. And we do that during this day. It's a time of worship, a time of adoration, a time when we come to venerate our Father in heaven. The Sabbath is one day a week that we're to come together as believers to bless him, to worship him, and as we also see, to, to fellowship with those of like faith. Now the word sanctify comes from the Hebrew kadash, which is a primitive root meaning to pronounce as clean, holy. So by keeping the Sabbath, we are sanctified by the word. You see how important the Sabbath is? The gravity of this day? 
It is, again, the day that, that states that it is a sign that we have a relationship with the one we worship. Now, how do we keep this day holy? How do we keep this day holy? So here we're going to be talking about some of the do's and don'ts, some of the specifics. How do we keep this day holy? Or You know, there's no better passage to begin with than for Exodus 20. Exodus 20, 8 through 11 says this. This is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, there it is. Remember the Sabbath day. And ironically, again, this is the one command. Actually, they've forgotten others, but one command anyway that they have forgotten. Goes on to say, six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. For the seventh day is a Sabbath of Yahweh Elohim, and thou shalt not do any work. You nor your son and nor your daughter your manservant or your maidservant or the cattle or the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So to begin with, it says here that we're to remember the Sabbath. We also see here that the Sabbath is a day of solemn rest, for everybody within our home. Now this restriction is literally found within the word for Sabbath. Sabbath comes from the primitive root Shabbat, meaning to repose or to seize from exertion or labor. That's what it means. So when we think of this word Sabbath in the Hebrew, we should be thinking to seize from exertion or labor. That's what the word Sabbath means. You see, this is the main purpose for the Sabbath, to rest. Our Father in heaven, in his infinite wisdom, he understood that humans needed a day of rest, one day out of seven. You know, what's amazing is we see this same seven-day cycle within nature. I'm not, I didn't really come prepared to share any, but there's many, many examples I've read over the years of Yahweh, this this, uh, cycle of seven within nature. It makes sense because Yahweh put all this in place. It's by design. And everything within our Father's word has meaning and purpose. Everything he says within his word has a reason behind it. Now, sometimes we may not understand what that reason is. Some people come to me sometimes. They'll say, why is this or why is that? And sometimes I scratch my head. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But he said it. And I'm sure there's a reason and a benefit for that. Now, in the case of the Sabbath, I think we all know what that benefit is. And that benefit, again, is we need a day of rest. We need downtime. We need a time when we can recoup. Again, everything he did has a purpose. Yahweh gave the Sabbath for a blessing to mankind. Now, because the Sabbath is holy and a day of rest, we also find a few specific do's and don'ts. I want to review some some of the uh, nuances, some of the finer points of Sabbath observance for the next just few moments In Exodus 16, verse 23, we find one of those, and that is that we're to prepare our food before the Sabbath. Exodus 16, verse 23 says, And he said to them, This is what Yahweh commanded. Tomorrow tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until the morning. So we find here Moses telling the Israelites to prepare their food, to prepare their meal a day before the Sabbath. 
You know, for this reason, many in the faith, many Bible believers in the faith, they will refer to Friday as the preparation day. You know, technically speaking, there's only one preparation day, that's the Passover. But, you know, I can certainly see the reasoning behind this, because it is a preparation day for the Sabbath, because we're told to prepare the day before on the sixth day to prepare for the seventh, the Sabbath. So specifically, what does this passage allow and not allow? Or based on what it says, we should not be cooking on the Sabbath. We should prepare our meals beforehand. Now, some have asked, does this extend into heating food? And again, some of this is subjective. I'll, I'll be the first one to acknowledge that. We here believe that heating food is okay. The main objective here is that we're to prepare our food beforehand for the purpose to abstain from work. Again, everything we find with the Sabbath, or generally speaking, is connected with work. We're focusing on him. So this is to limit the work we do on the Sabbath. So, again, as one thing we should be doing is preparing our food, our meals, before the Sabbath. Now, we also see another prohibition in Nehemiah 10. Nehemiah 10, 31. It says, When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. Now, the word holy day, these are high days, just to clarify that. These are days like the first and the last days of unleavened bread, not the, not the uh, middle days during the feast. Those are not high days. It's high days. So we see here Nehemiah commanding the people of Israel not to do what? Not to buy or sell when? On the Sabbath, weekly Sabbath, and again on the high holy days. And then also we find that they were not to engage. And I think that's something else a lot of people miss. They were not to engage with her foreign neighbors. So we find, really, I believe, two prohibitions here. One, again, is not to buy or sell on the Sabbath. The other one is not to engage in the world. Two very important lessons. Not to buy or sell on the Sabbath. You know, this would include things like going to restaurants, going out to eat. And again, we also see here the second lesson is that we're not to engage or mingle with the world. And you know, this would include things like worldly events, maybe sports events. I've, I've known some believers, uh, they'll go to sports activities on the Sabbath. Well, that's not keeping the Sabbath. We're to abstain from the world on this day. You know, this would also include going to weddings and things of, things of that nature. You know, it's important to remember that the Sabbath is holy and set apart. And as, pe- and as his people were to reverence the Sabbath, We're to keep it holy. We're to keep it reverent as we find within the word. We're to worship. We're to fellowship with those of like faith on this day. In fact, as we see also in Leviticus 23, verse 3, we're not going to turn there, but the Sabbath there is called a holy convocation. I want to make this point as well before we move on. Meeting on the Sabbath is very important. Some people, they kind of have this nonchalant attitude that maybe we'll meet, maybe we won't. And I realize that there's some people, many people that cannot meet, and that's fine. And uh, we have many, many people watching the broadcast because they have nowhere to turn. But if we have the ability to meet, I would really encourage everybody to meet. I think it's a command. Scripture says that this is a holy convocation. The word holy convocation means a sacred or set-apart meeting or gathering. It is not a day to set at home. It is a day to come together, to fellowship, to worship, and to be with others like believers. Now, I will acknowledge that with COVID, things are a bit crazy right now, and And not everybody can get out, and I realize that. But if we can meet, we should meet. 
Now, one of the most important passages, in my opinion, on the Sabbath is Isaiah 58:13. Here we find the word saying this, that thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath the delight, the holy of Yahweh honorable, and shall honor him not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. You know, as we see here, the Sabbath is holy, and we're to reverence the Sabbath in this way. You know, for this reason, our discussions, actions, thoughts, what we do during this time should reflect that holiness. We should not view the Sabbath as just simply another day. We should not view it as just an opportunity to get together with our friends or those we enjoy being with, although that's part of it. We need to make sure that we're giving it the reverence it requires. We need to remember that it is a day consecrated. We need to remember that it is a day holy. We need to remember that it's a day sanctified. We need to remember that this is a time to focus on Yahweh and not on our own mundane wants or desires or thoughts. You know, for us parents, this would also apply to our kids. That's real hard to do. I have two girls, I know. We should do everything we can to teach our kids that the Sabbath is special and not just another day. To give them this this inward love for the Sabbath, desire to understand the gravity, the reverence of the Sabbath day. Very, very important, I believe, for us parents to realize that we're to pass this lesson on to our kids because they're the next generation. Someday, many of us will not, we won't be here. And it's going to be our kids and their kids. So it's very important that we pass this lesson on to them. I'd like to change focus now and consider some of those passages that are that are obviously wrongly used, but consider those passages that are used to support Sunday worship. Sunday worship. Now, the most common defense and case for Sunday is that is the belief that Yahshua rose Sunday morning. Did he rise Sunday morning? Well, we know that he did not rise Sunday morning. But you know what? Even if Yahshua rose Sunday morning, where's the command to change the day of worship? Where does it say in the Bible? Change the day of my Sabbath to when my son was resurrected. Do you see that? I don't see that. I don't see anywhere in scripture it says the day that my son was resurrected is a new Sabbath for the assembly. I don't see that. So even if he did rise on Sunday, it would be inconsequential. But we know that Yahshua did not rise on Sunday. How do we know that? Well, let's look at the evidence. Now, a passage I like to turn to for this is Luke. Luke 23, that evangel seems to be the easiest to prove this. So Luke 23, 53 through 56 says this, And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never a man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and behold, the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So this is a command you can see in the yellow. I've given you some days. So these are the days, if you look at it from a chronological standpoint, when Yahshua died and the events of his passion and resurrection. So we see here in the last part, verse 56, it says, And rested 
They rested. It was a Sabbath. They rested the Sabbath day according to the command. This is the seventh day Sabbath. So all we need to do is simply count backwards from this point. So we have Sabbath. We have Saturday there at the end. So if we just back up, they returned and prepared spices. That would have occurred on Friday. And uh, the day before that, we see that the Sabbath drew on. Now, Sabbath was the first high day, the first high day. So this would have been Thursday. And they certainly would not have been, pre- uh, been preparing uh, spices on a high day. They would have never done that. And then, of course, Wednesday, this is the day that Yahshua died. So this is the day that they took his body down, they wrapped it in linen cloth, they put it and placed it in the sepulcher. So Wednesday through Thursday, actually I have another chart here. So uh, Wednesday late afternoon on B14, Yahshua was taken off the stake. He was placed in the tomb right before sunset. Thursday, Abi uh, 15, this was the first high day of the feast. Friday, Abib 16, the women prepared the spices. And then Sabbath, late in the Sabbath, late afternoon, before sunset, Yahshua rose from the grave. How do we know this? Matthew 12, verse 40, said that Yahshua would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, just as Jonah. And it says, by the way, the heart of the earth. I've seen some of these people, they, they try to make this, this uh, Friday to Sunday fuzzy math work out. They do these, these, uh, these uh, mental gymnastics. And they will try to say, Yahshua came into Jerusalem on this day, and, and then he, would, he died on this day, and, and, and so on and so forth. No, it says that he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So he was in the sepulcher for three days and three nights. That is when we must begin the count. We cannot begin the count when he was on the stake. We cannot begin the count when he came into Jerusalem. We begin the count when he was placed into the sepulcher. And when we begin the count at that point, we find that he would have been resurrected late on the Sabbath. And we know that the women came early in the morning, the first day of the week. He was gone. He was nowhere to be found because he was already resurrected. So again, we find no evidence here, no evidence within Scripture that he was resurrected on a Sunday morning. He was resurrected late on the Sabbath before sunset. Because again, he would have been placed in the tomb before sunset on Passover, before the high day. They would not have placed his body in the tomb on the high day. That had to have been done prior to the start of the high day. Now, I'm going to look at another passage that is often used for Sunday worship. This is a real common one. And by the way, for those coming to the feast, which is all of you, I hope, this you may want to remember this. You may see this during a workshop during the feast. That, that is my only give me, by the way. So if you don't get this one. Okay, Romans 14, verse 5. This is a passage by Paul. And again, they will use this to support Sunday worship. It says, one man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, what is Paul speaking about here? What is he speaking about? Is he saying here that we now have the freedom to choose when and how we worship our creator, our father in heaven, that we can choose to worship him on Sunday. We can choose to worship him on Wednesday. We can choose to worship him maybe with the Muslims on Friday. Is that the message we find here from this great man? 
Now, even though we know better, this is how most Bible believers interpret this passage, that, that Paul is saying, Paul is saying that we now have the freedom, we have the authority to choose when and how we worship. Now, with Yahweh's word, it's always important that we look at the context. You know, context is key, as they say, and, and uh, certainly that's true here. So in this case, if we simply read verse 6, we will understand Paul's message in verse 5. So Romans 14, verse 6, he says, He that regards the day regards it unto Yahweh, and he that regards not the day to Yahweh, he does not regard it. He that eats, notice that, he that eats, eats to Yahweh, for he gives Elohim thanks, and he that eats not to Yahweh, he's not, and gives Elohim thanks. So from the context, we see here that Paul is speaking about what? Paul is speaking about fasting. He's speaking about fasting. He's speaking about going without food and water as a sign of our devotion to him. This was very common during this time, by the way. The Pharisees would fast twice a week. Very common. So we see here no connection with Sunday worship. We see no connection with really any formal day of worship. This simply is not in the context. Paul's making the point here that fasting is a personal choice. It's a conviction. And if we want to fast on a Monday or on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday or on a Thursday or on a Sunday, I would encourage everybody to skip Sabbath. Now, you can really fast if you want to. It's probably not unbiblical, but it's probably not a great day to fast on. But I would encourage if you want to fast, just up to you what day you want to fast on. And this is the message Paul's conveying. He's simply saying, if you want to fast, um, you, you, know, you can fast when you choose. And he says, if you fast, you fast to Yahweh. If you fast not, if you eat not, you, you uh, again praise Yahweh. So this is not referring to a day of worship or to the Sabbath day. There's another passage many people use, and this one's in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 says, there upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Where Paul tells here the Corinthian assembly to gather up and lay up in store on the first day of the week. Now, many understand this is a reference to a passing that Sunday plate when they are collecting the offerings that Paul is instructing the assembly to, to make sure that they pass that plate so that when he comes, he can, he can collect the uh, tithes and offerings. And as we see, they will say this occurred on the first day of the week. So let's look beyond the surface. Let's look beyond the surface here and understand what Paul is really speaking about. Number one, the word day here was added by the translators. If you look at the Greek, the word day is not there, simply missing from the Greek. So the Greek simply reads upon the first of the week. This could have been Sunday, could have been Monday, possibly even Tuesday. It doesn't say, it just says the first of the week. Translators trying to help us out there, they put first day. And of course, that's given rise to this notion of Sunday. They were collecting these tithes and offerings, passing again this, this collection plate. No, this has nothing to do with a collection plate. This has nothing to do with offerings. This may have nothing to do with Sunday itself. Again, it may be referring to Monday or even Tuesday. So what is this passage referring to? What is Paul speaking about here? Where this time, when this epistle was written, there was a great famine in the land of Judea. 
We see this in Acts 11. I'm not going to turn there, but you can make note of that. Acts 11. So we know during this time there was a great famine. Paul was organizing here food supplies for those in Judea. He was encouraging the other assemblies to to pitch in and help, to go around and gather food stuff so that the believers in Judea would have food and supplies that they required and needed. That's what this is referring to. This is, again, nothing to do with Sunday worship. And, and, And how long does it take to really pass a plate anyway? Why does Paul have to send a letter asking them to pass the plate? No, this was much more involved, much more planning. A lot more coordination, and Paul understood that. So that's why Paul sent the letter and encouraging this assembly. I'm sure probably others like it to, to set aside some food stuff, some supplies for those hungered, hungering in, in Judea. So no correlation to the first day of the week here. No correlation to Sunday as a day of worship. This, again, is simply referred to those who were suffering in Judea because of this famine. I want to move on and now consider some evidence we find for the Sabbath in the New Testament. And and I'm going to end with uh, an example we find in prophecy. So what do we find in the New Testament? And I will say, and I know that some people, probably more than most, or uh, the majority, uh, struggles with book, chapter, verse. But I really would encourage you to try to remember these verses. So if someone says that, you know, where does it show that Paul kept the Sabbath in the New Testament. You can quickly say Acts 17 too. You don't have to even think about it. It's just right there. You, you know the book, chapter, verse. So Acts 17, verse 2. It says, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now, this is an important passage. We find here that it was Paul's manner, it says Paul's manner to worship when? To worship on the seventh day day sabbath doesn't say that paul's manner was to worship on sunday it says paul's manner was to worship on the sabbath now what does the word manner mean what is this conveying where it's from the greek word ethos refers to a habit or custom that is either of a personal conviction or by command a habit or custom that is by either a conviction or a command where in this case we know that it was both a conviction and a command Paul was certainly convicted to worship on the Sabbath. But we also know that this was a command he understood from Yahweh. Now, another important consideration here is a time frame of this passage. Many people, they don't think about things like this. According to historians and chronologists, this took place 20 years roughly after Yahshua's death and ascension. Think about that for just a moment. 20 years after Yahshua's death and resurrection, we find that Paul's custom is to still worship on the Sabbath. What's wrong with that? Did he not get the email? Did he miss the memo? What's wrong with that? 20 years, two decades. Paul's still keeping these Jewish, archaic, dead days. What's wrong with it is it shows that the Sabbath was never replaced. And that Sunday is a counterfeit day. This shows beyond a shadow of doubt that the Sabbath was never changed by the apostles, including, as we see here, the apostle Paul, the supposed champion of Christianity. And yet we find here that this is not what Paul was doing. Now we also see here that he reasoned with us in the synagogue for three Sabbath days. Three Sabbath days. This is three consecutive Sabbaths. So it's not like a one-time thing. 
Now, this is something Paul did often. In fact, we're going to see this was what Paul did always. We'll see that in the next example. So, you know, from this, there really should be no question as to which day Paul worshipped on. We see here that he worshipped on the Sabbath, not Sunday. Not Sunday. Now, we find a second witness to this in uh, Acts 18, verse 4. That's the other one. So, Acts 17, 2, Acts 18, verse 4. I would really encourage everybody to remember those two verses. It says there any reason in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded, listen, persuaded just the Jews. Right? No, it says here that he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. He persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So Paul, it says here, literally observed every Sabbath. Now, what did he do on this day, or besides worshiping Yahweh, we find here that he persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Now, it's important to understand the gravity of this example. We see here that Jews and Greeks are both mentioned. The word Greeks is from the word Helene. It refers to a Greek-speaking person that is a non-Jew, according to Strong's. A Greek-speaking person that is a non-Jew. So why were Greeks, non-Jews, worshiping in a Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath? Why? Why were they worshiping? They understood that this was the right day of worship. They were proselytes. They understood that this was the right day of worship. You know, after all, according to many theologians, the Sabbath, again, is only for the Jews. What we see here, that's not the case. And that's why this is so important. The reason they were worshiping on the Sabbath was simply this. They understood that the Sabbath was still the Sabbath, that it was still required. Now, beyond the New Testament, and I'm going to close with this example here. Beyond the New Testament, we have one very important example in prophecy. You know what? I'm going to share another one, but we'll look at this one first. Isaiah 66, 23. Isaiah 66, 23. It says, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith Yahweh. Now we see here that in the kingdom, this is a millennial passage. This is a future prophecy. And it says here that all flesh will worship Yahweh on the new moons and on every Sabbath. This is when our Savior will reign and rule over this earth for 1,000 years to restore worship. Now, what do you suppose Isaiah meant when he said all flesh? Do you think he's kind of referring just to the Jews? Maybe to 10% of the population. Maybe to 50% of the population. No, when he says all flesh, he means all flesh. All flesh. Everybody that's alive in the millennium, it says, well, worship Yahweh. During the new moons and during the Sabbath days. All flesh means all flesh. You know, this should be pretty intuitive. All of mankind. So in the coming kingdom, we find that everybody will literally observe the Sabbath in the new moons. I want to look at one more example. I don't have this on the slide. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't going to share it, but I'd like to share it. So you can either listen or, or turn with me, either one. But Ezekiel 46, this is another really good example. Really good example. Ezekiel 46, a millennial passage, is referring to a time, again, when Yahshua was going to judge this earth. And 
Here's what it says. It says, Thus saith my sovereign Yahweh, the gate of the inner court that looks toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. Why do you suppose they were opening the doors of the temple on the Sabbath and new moons? Well, it's because these days are going to be observed at the kingdom. These days are going to be observed in the millennium. So again, just one more tool in the toolkit. One more evidence, one more piece of evidence to show that the Sabbath will be observed in the coming kingdom. It will be observed when Yahshua reigns and rules over this earth. Isaiah 66, 23, Ezekiel 46, verse 1. We need to remember those. Isaiah 66, 23, Ezekiel 46, verse 1. Both of those passages show that the new moons and the Sabbaths will be observed in the kingdom. And by the way, that's one reason why we're trying to get a little bit more vigilant even with the new moon here. And I would encourage everybody to try to do that, to try to join us for the Bible studies and, and uh, for the live meetings here. It's important. This time is a time of fellowship. This time is a time to gather. It's not a holy day, but it is a time to gather and to fellowship. It's a time to mark a new month. So we find, again, in the millennium, that the Sabbath and that the new moons will be observed by all peoples, and we find that the gates of the temple will be opened. Now let me ask you this. Knowing that the Sabbath was observed in the Old Testament, I don't think anybody would ever debate that, Knowing that the Sabbath was also observed by the apostles, including the Apostle Paul, as we see. And knowing that the Sabbath will be observed in the coming kingdom, why in the world would we not observe the Sabbath today? Why would the Sabbath not be mandatory? Why would the Sabbath not be required if it was kept in the old, kept in the new, and will kept, be kept in the coming kingdom? It makes no sense at all. It is a contradiction. It is a contradiction. And it, was, and it is simply because of man's tradition. And that is it. It is simply because of man's tradition. But you know what? Satan wants to confuse. Satan wants to deceive. And what better way to deceive than to take Yahweh's most important day and conceal it with another counterfeit? The Sabbath is so important. I'd like to summarize some of the points we've heard today. So number one here is the Sabbath is a sign between Yahweh and his people. We saw that in Exodus 31, also Ezekiel 20, 20. The change between Sabbath and Sunday was not done by man, or was not done by man, not, not by the Bible, not by Scripture. In the beginning, Yahweh rested on the Sabbath, and by doing so, sanctified and made this day holy. We're also to follow in His examples, do as He did. The Sabbath is set apart as a day of rest, worship, and fellowship. Remember Leviticus twenty-three, verse three. It defines there that the Sabbath is a holy convocation. Holy convocation is Kodesh Mikra. In the Hebrew, it means a sacred or coming together, a time that we're to come together. We should come together. If we can, we should come together in fellowship. And as we have uh, saw there at the end of the message, the Sabbath was observed in the Old Testament, New Testament, and will be observed in the coming kingdom when Yahshua returns. And as believers in the Messiah, it's important that we understand the gravity of this day that we understand how this day is to be kept holy, how we should honor Yahweh through this day. It's the only command called a sign. You know, there's lots of commands within the Bible, lots of commands within the Bible. Only one command that was called a sign between Yahweh and us, and that's the Sabbath. That's the Sabbath. No wonder, again, why Satan would try so hard to deceive so many. Now, I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. It's important that we as believers remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to understand the gravity, to understand the reverence, and to honor Yahweh as we should on this most important day. So let us remember 
the Sabbath day. May Yahweh bless.